Streaming 24-7, on-demand archives, podcasts, and more. TalkZone.com. TalkZone.com. Saying a lot for planet Earth. You are entering an intriguing journey with spiritual lifestyle experts Keith and Charmé Amber, where you'll end up more at home with yourself, your behavior, and your understanding of life. Mastering Ourselves offers sound answers to life's tough questions so that life can make more sense to you and healthy directions become clearer. Keith and Charmé bring you over 80 years of seasoned experience. They pursue truth and insights that are neither left nor right, but spiritually sound and centered and can be used as a spiritual compass to help you on your path. Welcome to Mastering Ourselves. I recently read an article about what they call Generation Me and uh, the children uh, in Generation Me who have inflated self-esteem and are basically not very good contributors to society because they've got inflated self-worth and they haven't got the foundation underneath it to support it. Well, why would you contribute if you were the big deal? Right. Like, why do you need to? Like, look at me. Aren't I great? So <laughs> we um, we are keenly aware of the problem, and so Keith and I like to have guests on our show that are experts in helping parents to raise uh, emotionally healthy teens that aren't stuck on themselves and are ready to do something uh, to contribute back to society. So to that end, we have with us today uh, Dr. Marianne Rosenthal, and she's written a, a book called Be a Parent, Not a Pushover, A Guide to Raising Healthy, Emotionally Healthy Teens, uh, Raising Happy, Emotionally Healthy Teens. Would you welcome to the show uh, Dr. Marianne Rosenthal. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm great. It's always, it's such a pleasure to be on your show. Well, thank you. We appreciate you coming. You know, you comment in your, uh, in your papers here that, uh, you like to help raise your children to be champions, but I bet you're not talking the generation me inflated self-esteem kind of champions. No, you know, that, no, that's so true. And unfortunately, sometimes when we talk about champions, we talk about winning, and then we talk about winning at all costs, and, yep. and we talk about, you know, what is it, to, who cares what it takes to win as long as you win. And that's, you know, that's not the kind of champion I'm talking about. I, I, uh, it's, I, it's the same thing that both of you believe in, which is enlightenment, empowerment, mastery. Uh, you know, the, the belief that you have the ability to cause results in your own life. Not that, not that it's somebody else's, you know, to blame someone else. You know, the kids that have this kind of sense of mastery or enlightenment or empowerment, no, they don't blame their teachers for their bad grades. They don't blame their parents for, you know, they blame themselves. They, on the internet too much, too much of, you know, playing the video games. And they, in, in the field of psychology, we call that an internal locus of control, meaning I have control a, a bit. I have a sense of control of what goes on in my life. Yes. So champion of life, uh, I guess when you get right down to the tightest part of it, is like a, a person who is intact with a good self-esteem and their character. They don't do things that tarnish their character and you can rely on them. They can rely on themselves. Life can rely on them to do a good showing at whatever they do. Yeah, and you know what, Keith, I, 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 it's not, it's not good self-esteem because 
you know, we, I think the baby boomers, and I'm one, I'm, I am to blame, we, you know, we carried this whole self-esteem idea to the, to the way past what we should, and that's, I believe, one of the causes of our generation, me. But I talk about authentic self-esteem, and there's a difference. The difference is, is that sense of true, uh, self-worth that comes from from self-discipline, you can, you cannot have authentic self-esteem without having authentic self-discipline. So, so it's, it's not a superiority self-esteem. It's a uh, it's a self-esteem of a person who will maybe get things right, put in their face, kind of thing. Right. You know, this is a mistake I think we've made, and 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 I really believe we had. And I I know the work you're doing is to try and kind of reverse the thinking, but. It, I think we've taught our children that they need to feel good about themselves. Boy, if I just feel good about myself, I'm, I'm going to go out and do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And you and I, we both, we all know it doesn't work that way. You go out and do the right thing, and that's what will make you feel good about yourself. Nice. That's the authentic self-esteem, and I think that's what we've gotten screwed up. I, I believe in a culture of achievement. I mean, I I don't think we are all the same, and I think when kids excel, they should be you know, they should get that excellence should be noted. Not that other children don't shouldn't get something for trying, but we've I think we've just become a vanilla society because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Well, it's not that's not that's not going to hurt genuine authentic self esteem when to see our our you know our peers and our friends achieve something and excel. I, I I think we have to have that culture of achievement. I think that's what makes everything work. You know, trying to I think we're trying to split what self esteem really is. It's not superiority. It's not I'm having right. a great deal of fun. It, and, it, and it shouldn't be split from doing the right thing. I think self-esteem should be tied to doing the right thing, and you feel good about doing the right thing uh-huh. and upgrading, getting that right and upgrading, not the other stuff. Right. And if we don't do that, I'm gonna, if you know, if we don't realize the power of the world to shape our children's lives with the media, the TV, you know, the, the all of the. I think parents are sleeping and our kids are wide awake. Yeah. Heavens, look at the. Imp- Look at the effect of MySpace and YouTube and all of the things right. that, that are affecting our children in such negative ways. I, I call that form of media mediocrity. Right. <laughs> yeah. don't, you, don't you guys just hate mediocrity? I hate it. I do, too. I hate it about myself when I go like that. I says, this, uh, this isn't worth me. I mean, i got to do something better. I know. <laughs> We, uh, we're talking today to Marianne Rosenthal, who's written the book, Be a Parent, Not a Pushover. And you're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber. Thanks for joining us today. So, can unempowered parents empower children? Oh, wow. I, boy, that's a great lead in. Uh, well, first of all, I don't believe that I can empower anybody. And I always say that I cannot empower you. But what I can do is I can give you some knowledge, some skills, and it may be that will tap into your abilities to empower yourself. And as parents, our job is to teach, influence, and control our children. So in a way, we do, we are teaching them, 
But, you know, the word um, discipline comes from the word disciple, which means to teach. Mm-hmm. And it's not in this kind of punitive manner. That's not going to empower or help empower any children. And maybe with children, I like to say, we need to if we're gonna we need to ignite a change in their life so that then they can empower themselves and that's that's true empowerment but uh, you know as parents I, I, I it is our job and and but but you know that mastery or enlightenment is an inside job it is not right. a quick fix <laughs> and it happens over time yeah. and through a long process so one of our best ways to empower our children is look after them and walk the path of empowerment and uh, self-esteem or character ourselves. So they're in that uh, neighborhood within our own home together all the time, and that should really rub off on them besides our looking after them and setting appropriate boundaries when necessary. Kids would rather see a sermon than hear a sermon any day. And, you know, we teach our children in three ways, by example, by example, by example, <laughs> and we ha- we have to be that example yes. that we want them to see. I have a great story. I was, um, we were, you know, I live in California, in San Diego, and I was in, uh, we were in Los Angeles having dinner. It was a dinner party, and I was seated next to this gentleman, very nice, and he was talking about his wife and his kids and how wonderful it was and their great life, and I thought, this is one neat dad, right? And so then I got around to asking him what he did, and I said, so what do you do for a living? And he said to me, I'm in the adult entertainment business. Oh. I said, pornography? Oh. And he said, well, the adult entertainment business. Oh, well, yes, there's a difference. I said to him, Charmaine, how do you do that? I said, you have three children, you have a beautiful wife, it sounds like you protect them and you love them with all your heart, and then you do this terrible business. I said, your values don't match. Boy, you just turned a sour note on that uh, dinner party, didn't you? You know know what he said to me? He looked at me like I was from outer space, and he said... He, truly, and he said, I, I don't have any problem at all. He said, yes. I have my work life and I have my personal yep. life. Yep. And I for him, it. there was no, it, did, it didn't matter. He was able co- to compartmentalize. And I, don't, I, I have to think that that is going to spill over, yeah. that seedy, awful part of him well, is going to spill over into you, his personal life. You know, everything that goes on in the parents' uh, lives, psyche, and their private world and everything, the whole undertow energy goes into the home. So yes. you, you can't you cannot escape that. No, no. No, the well, home is the place where our children learn what they live and live what they learn. And and yeah. we you know, they are their lives are a reflection of our values. That's right. It, it is going to spill over and we are we are wrong if we think that it won't. Yeah, it, it you know, the truth is the truth, however you truly are, your kids are raised in that home of that energy and they're going to they're going to start going in that direction. Yes. So yeah. so there's a lot of parents <clears throat> you know parents all over the place they think they're supposed to um um revolve their life around their children, be their servants, be their playmates, be their best friends. Right. Uh, like excessively, you know, what would you say about that? They cannot do that. You know, that's the curse of the wimpy parent. And you are not on this planet to be a cruise director for your child. You know, your life, you are a parent. And I tell parents, 
there will be a time probably during your child's life where you're going to be hated. If you can't tolerate that, then you shouldn't be a parent because to really do the job of parenting well, you are going to have to stand up to them and it's going to be your rules. And, and you will, although I like authoritative parenting, there are going to be times when you, because your job is to keep them safe. And if that means you've got to come down hard on them while that internal structure is developing inside of them, that's what you do. And, and it's not, it is the toughest job on the planet. And the parents that want to be pals and buddies with their kids are usually trying to work something out that's gone wrong in their own life. That's right. Uh, you're listening with, uh, Charmaine Keith Amber with Mastering Ourselves. And our guest today is Dr. Marianne Rosenthal. Uh, and she's the author of Be a Parent, Not a Pushover. So a lot of parents I find, you know, they're busy, almost like their kids aren't, they love their kids, but their kids aren't that important to really do the parenting right. And a lot of parents don't even trust their own judgment. No, they, they, they have lost that ability to trust their instincts because, well, possibly they didn't have it. You know, it goes a lot to the style of parenting. This is, I see this a lot. A lot of the really permissive parents, you know, those are the parents that every kid wants to go over to that kids house yes because they get to do anything that's right the parents aren't you know they don't care but those permissive parents it's a confused style of parenting and it often comes from the fact that maybe they either came from an abusive home or that kind of authoritarian my way or the highway rule home and they say to themselves I remember what that felt like, and I am not going to do that to my child. So they go the other, you know how the pendulum swings, yep, sure. the, other, the wrong side of that pendulum, and they don't trust their instincts, and they they and they're too. What do I want to say? Um, you know, they don't want to get, seek the help that's out there because, good heavens, nobody wants to think of somebody as needing parenting right. skills. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I can handle it. You know, see, I have a baby, I have a child, I can handle it but they don't know how to handle it. And I find a lot of children in their level of maturity who are have adult bodies are having children and they don't know how, how to raise them because they're not adults yet. I know, I it, know. That's a terrible thing. Oh, and, and, and it, you know, they just, uh, right, they, they don't have the skills. Remember, we talk, I did mention that we can, we can help people. We, we, can, need, we need to take a break. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts, helping humanity wake up. One show at a time. Our guest, Marianne Rosenthal, author of Be a Parent, Not a Pushover. Stay with us. We got more. Welcome back to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber. And our guest today, Dr. Marianne Rosenthal, author of Be a Parent, Not a Pushover. You know, uh, Marianne, we had a, a shop here in town a number of years ago, and uh, I watched this young father bring in his uh, infant child, and for like two years, uh, or probably a year and a half, two years, uh, he would bring the child in on little walks, and he would, you know, we had a crystal store, you know, like minerals and rocks, mm-hmm. you know, the fragile stuff, right? Right. The stuff that you don't have kids touching, right? <laughs> right. So he would come in for like a year and a half, and he would, you know, the kid would point to a crystal, and he'd pick it up and give it to the kid while he was holding him. And he did this for, you know, all the time and I, you know, and then he would say to me, boy, my parents had boundaries on me and it was stressful and I'm not going to do that to my kids. Mm-hmm. So now fast forward, uh, I, um, saw him come in like 
when the kid was like two and a half years old, actually the kid came in with his mother. Uh-huh. I'll tell you, that kid headed to Crystal's grabbing everywhere. Right. Of course, right? Of yep, course. Yep, yep. So so now the mother is going, no, and he's looking at her like, well, what are you saying? I've been doing this for two years. What's the problem? I can do right. anything I want. And I he can was, do anything I want. He yeah. was such a handful that she had to, like, uh, grab him by the arm and pull him out of the store before they ended up buying a lot of broken stuff. Why don't parents get to understand that kids need to know that no, N-O, is a good thing? Because if you don't teach them that, then from the rest of their life, they think that N.O. is, you know, means lack of love, loss of love. And yeah, we're not, you're right. And we're not talking. They put those two together. We're, we're mm-hmm. not talking no, okay. <laughs> we're talking no, We're talking no. no. No, and I feel real guilty about and, saying and, no. And we're not talking no, and they do it anyway, and we just no. let it go. We're talking no, and then when they do it, you take them and move them. Well, if you think about it, though, addiction means you can't say no. I, I'm the director of family services at a recovery center and mm. uh, inpatient. And, I, you know, addiction means you, you avoid pain and seek pleasure because you can't tolerate the nose of life, right? Yeah. Yes. People, and that's, and, and again, they need, people need to learn that no is a good thing. And when do they learn it? They learn it as a child. That's it's right. very difficult to get as an adult. That's right. You know, those first two years, no. Mm-hmm. You know, no is, no is a valid answer. And, and you know, it's, it's done from loving it's, parents. It's amazing to me, you know, as a, um adult person with our radio show, when I'm talking to, like, potential sponsors, mm-hmm. when they can't say no. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they, they say, oh, call me back, call me back. And finally, after many times, they, oh, well, you know, and you can tell they never had any intention, but they never learned how to say no. It's, 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 it's painful. And, <laughs> yes. you know, no is painful, but, but wouldn't it have been better, especially those sponsors? It would have saved you a lot of oh, time. Oh, totally. You could have moved on. You know, I'm you not. Would respect them for that. Sure, I, I'm not offended by no. No works right. for me. Right. You know, Aristotle said, the test of a civilization is that we leave more to the next generation. Oh, and I good. know he was not talking about more stuff. Or, <laughs> or, or more debt. And think, you know, there has never been a civilization, a, 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 a wonderful civilization, a thriving civilization that has ever survived its own success. Think of Greece. Think of Rome. And they did not learn from their mistakes. And when Aristotle said that, I, I believe he was talking about values, core yes. values, yes. Wings, right. wings, you know, all of those things. He knew it then, and we should know it now. And somewhere, and, and what I, you know, God bless what you're doing, because that's exact. you're trying to reach these people and, yeah. and, and enlighten them, which you, it's got to start with the parents. It's, it, and I call it positive self-awareness. They, we just cannot ignite that change in our children's lives until we look at our own baggage. How potent do you think it would be for a parent to uh, take all the TVs out of the house? I've had, you know, I have had, I have had, um, Charmaine, I've had parents strip down their kids' rooms, take the doors off till they have had nothing in the room except the bed. Sure, yes. 
when it and and when parents will do that and it gets so harsh and I it is very difficult for them and but you know if I have a good relationship with them and it's often because these kids are start are are not paying attention when it comes to either alcohol or drugs we're talking 12 13 years old wow. and the parents are desperate and I will get we will get them and I can get them to strip down so that child has to earn back privileges everything everything yes. everything um, it's a little more difficult That's to have them thing. remove televisions from the entire house because the parents want them. But you know they will do that. I had one. Believe oh, it oh, oh! I got, I got. We're going to have to grab okay. it after break. You're listening to Ministry Ourselves <laughs> with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts with sound answers to life's tough questions Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern on CRN. Come back, join us with Marianne Rosenthal right after the break. Stay with us. Welcome back. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves. Our guest today, Marianne Rosenthal, author of Be a Parent, Not a Pushover. You were in the middle of a good story about people that had taken the TV out. <laughs> the TV off, the door off, the posters off. No, but I had one family, and their young, uh, he was like 15, young man, was just, oh, just so defiant. And he, he, I had him out in a tent in their yard, and he could only come in and take a shower and eat. And he stayed in the tent for weeks, and it was during the winter months. Now, we do live in San Diego, but it gets pretty cold at yeah. night in the winter. Yeah. And this child, yeah, he didn't think they'd do it, and they did it. And, you know, we, we, he, he's a difficult, difficult child. He's one of those kids that probably will have to leave home in order to get healthy yeah. because the parents don't agree, and one of them, uh, you know, um, what do I, undermines the other. But that did work. For, it has worked for a while. He's certainly not using drugs. He's still he's still a pain in the neck. But yeah. He's not doing drugs. He's back in the house. He's back in the house. Yeah. He's okay, off drugs. He, he's earned his way back in the house. But he, self discipline. He learned. He 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 could not believe that they were going to start setting some rules. And and self esteem. You know, Keith. We talked about self esteem. Yeah. Self esteem gives you permission to succeed. And the self-discipline prepares you for the climb. And this kid <laughs> needed to go back to, to getting prepared for the climb. He, he just thought he was great. All so, by himself. Didn't matter what he did. Nope. So, so he was the king of the universe. So self-esteem and self-discipline need to go together. I, I really believe that. Don't you, do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Don't right. you think chores are key? Oh, boy, I absolutely, you know, you've got to give these kids, how you build it is you set consistent rules and you expect those rules to be followed. You set up routines for these kids, eating, studying, chores, playtime, sleeping, and then, and this is where parents get too busy, but inspect what you expect. Yes. You know, we don't do that. We get so busy and parents don't come back to it and they, they make a rule and the kids know that they have no That's intention right. to follow through. That's yeah. right. So we want to encourage our audience to keep their hungry, prowling eyes of the tiger, the tiger within, <laughs> that's right. looking for the best and most whole ways of life to be and to celebrate. Mm -hmm. We encourage our audience, you know, there's that hungry part of us that wants a better life. It's not going to happen magically. And a lot of times we must impose disciplines out of the fabric of wisdom pertaining to our lives, figure it out, put it together, and discipline yourself along that if you want a life that you'll naturally be celebrating how nice and excellent life is. 
isn't isn't it true we need to we need to be hungry we need to have a hunger for it and unfortunately sometimes we've gotten very soft on that we we and and we i think that's what you're trying to do that's what i try to do yes. is awaken that hunger in yeah. people again too affluent too comfortable mm-hmm. of a society and then you start going into comfort is the king instead of character is the king right right so in in having teenage children and and working they're budding into adults but they're not there yet how do you how do you get a hold of them you know you have peer pressure and everything and you got the culture it's pretty loose and everything how do you teach girls and boys how to say no with sex oh boy you know you of course you, you teach the values that you you believe in and you start that at a very early age and teaching and I'm glad you said boys because it is about girls and boys that's but right I really think parents need to role play with their kids the language to use because sometimes what happens is kids get into these risky situations and they don't know how to get out of them yeah. they don't want to be in them but they don't know what to say right because it's all about saving face isn't it when you're That's a kid right. it's all, and so if if parents can just role play what would you say to 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 Jamie if he you know suggests that that we you know we do inappropriate stuff mm-hmm. And, you know, the kids might say, oh, Mom, I don't want to talk about that. Say, no, come on, let's just role play. I'll, and, you know, you you do it at times. You, you enter into their world. You do it when you're driving yep. instead of you talking on the phone and they listening to their iPod. And, and you can make it humorous, too, but yes, you can, you you can, can get have, the point across. Yes, you can. And you role play with them. Or when you go out, if, you're, if you say, come on, let's go out for a walk. I had a really bad day. And instead of coming in and saying, I had a really bad day, I need a drink, you come in and say, you know, I had a really bad day at work. I'm going to go for a walk. I'd love it if you joined me. I'd yes. love it if you'd walk with me. Nice. And you can talk to teaching moments so that you help give them the language to use because it is not a matter of if they will be asked to use drugs, to have inappropriate sex. It's a matter of when. Right. So so there's a, a lot of violence in uh, younger kids and uh, even more with uh, girls these days, I guess. But... Is that, would you say, from TV more or the peer pressure or more frustration at home or not being listened to? What do you think it's coming from? Well, I think it is the power of the world to shape our children's lives. We mentioned that. I, I think we, we don't realize how that is. I think they are bombarded by advertisements, news broadcasts, TV programs that really foster, you know, meism and greed. And if we don't counteract that, they are going to grow up and be so self-absorbed that they won't, they will be clueless. But when you mentioned about, um, you know, uh, the problems with our girls now, there has been a 68% in the U.S. Um, spike in suicide among preteen girls 11 to 14. Wow. Mm. Now, I, 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 want, I want to mention the numbers are still low, but the fact that it's a 68% spike in the last couple of years is still significant Mm. i mean something is happening to our children they are too young to be exposed to all of this Mm. adult uh provocative stuff that they are exposed you're right they don't know how to handle it see we're having a conversation today with dr marianne rosenthal author of be a parent not a pushover on mastering ourselves with keith and charme amber Thanks for joining us. So in general, when you're wielding parental power, you know, is it like a, a delicate scalpel or is it like an axe and say, I made a, a, 
I said this and you're going to do it, boom. Yeah. I, I think it I think it should be the delicate scalpel. I think you know a coach much and a mentor you are still the boss and parents will say, well wait a minute, you know it, it, I'm the I'm the boss well, of course you are, but children will respond because it, it, it the twenty first century family does not look anything like it did when I was growing up as a boy baby no boomer. fooling you yeah know, it was <laughs> different. It was, and kids, they do, I, I, it's the, it's the generation. They are collaborative, and they want to, they want to know the reasons for things. That's what we're finding in the workplace when these kids get out and start working. They, they will do a job, but they want to know why that job is of value. Well, that's so healthy. Thing, yeah, you, you make a rule, but tell them why you're making the mm-hmm, rule. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that the rule has to change. It just means you are teaching them. Yes. They, it's different. It's a different time than we just blindly, when our parents said do it, we did right. it. <laughs> and you can stand on the rule if they break it. You can say, we said this, we made this agreement, it's even written on the refrigerator here or whatever. Yeah. So here's the consequences. Exactly. And, and it's, exactly. Really, it's really good to write it down, talk it out, and make the agreements as much as you can. I mean, some things it's hard to foresee, but... You give the general thing of the idea of what they're going to expect if they go off balance or, and, and break certain moral codes or rules or, you know, you know you're not supposed to be out uh, going to a bar, you know, at 3 in the morning and you've got school the next day, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Right, and and listening. You know, we, we listen more than we do any other activity other than breathe, but parents, we give a lot of negative attention to our children in, you know, the form of threats and commands, and we're so busy, and, you know, everybody's got this to do, and between the after-school activities, we don't do a lot of listening, and listening is really a commitment and a compliment to anybody. Think about it. Yes, yeah, it, it means they're worth paying attention to, yep. to understand where they're coming from. Yes. It's a form of love. Right, it is, it really is, and... Uh, you know, I, I just think the parents are clueless when it comes to the pop culture and the peer pressure. By the way, the gender gap is closing when it comes to impulsive behavior. We are seeing a lot of impulsive behavior with girls because the message that girls are getting from the media is the more outrageous I act, the more likely I am of getting right. my needs met. Once again, mediocrity. Right, mediocrity. I love that. So um, party uh, sh- should, you know... Kids grow up and they they go to parties and this kind of thing. What kind of rules would you think they should have rules from the parents of when to get back or what you can or can't do or call me at a certain time with parties? I always tell parents when it comes to um, uh, I think uh, you know you're gonna when it comes to prom okay because everybody has a prom. The, you change the rules a bit because that's a kind of a rite of passage, uh, and you don't have to change your values, but you, you know, those rules don't hold. But if you have a rule that midnight is the time that you, you expect your child to be home, I guarantee you that kid's probably going to come home at 12, 15. Right. No doubt about it. Yeah. So you have to decide if you're going to say, okay, we, you know, in your mind, I've got a 15 minute giveaway here. That's right. But any more than that, if it's 12, 20, there's the consequence, and and you 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 state that very clearly for your child. These are the this is the rule. This is why, and then you say this is why I'm making the rule. 
because they're going to say, well, Johnny's mom, you know, they get to stay out till one o'clock, mm-hmm. and you, you, you know, you can ignore that. You don't. Every parent wants to say, well, then go go live with Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> but it, this is the rule. And this is why I make the rule. This is why we are making this rule. And this is what's going to happen if you break the rule. Yeah. And then you give the consequence. And I don't like consequences. I think the consequence does need to kind of match the the crime that's right um you not, know, not you know, overdo it no no because anything more like than be, being grounded for three weeks kids forget and they forget why they're grounded they forget everything um so it has to be realistic and the consequences need to be realistic so give us and, an idea what a consequence would be for somebody who breaks the rule and they come came, in at came 20 home at after 30 okay yeah. yeah, I've had that. I had that very thing happen with my son a long time ago. Well, what do you know? And I said, "This is," and he. I said, "This, you know, this is why I make this because I feel that that's an adequate time. Anything after that, you know, you're going to get yourself into trouble." I've talked to other parents that that parent the same way that I do, and and we've, you know, we've agreed with that. I'm, you know, I can't help that Tommy, who you know, his mother lets him stay out, and he happens to be your friend. So we make that rule, and he did come home late, and he did say, I hate you, and I said, that's fine, I'm, I love you, I'm sorry you feel that way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you are, because of what you did, you cannot, you are not allowed to go to the mall, at that time going to the mall, with your friends for uh, this weekend and next weekend, uh, and you, there will be, you know, after school you have to come right home, and, um, you know, there's not going to be any free time for you on the next two weekends. You're going so, to be at home with me. So we we snuck an extra hour and we paid for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of, you know. That, that's pretty good because it gets the point across. It's not a minor uh, adjustment. It's, it gets the point across, but it just doesn't bury the person either. It was quite, and it was lot, it wasn't like 15 minutes. It was a real, it was a real, it was a real, to me, I, I felt, I, you know, it wasn't like just a 15 minute, oh, I yep. got late, mom, everything. Yep. It was, it was like an hour late and, um, and it had been on the, t- here's the other thing. You know your child better than anyone. That's right. I felt that there was a, but there was some stuff brewing and simmering. Yeah. So I felt a real need at that time to gain control. Nip it in the bud. And, and, um, you know, we, and we talk about, now he's, he's now 29 years old. So, but we, we talk about those kinds of things and, and because he just had a baby and the values that he has and how, how they are going to discipline. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, and if you don't know what to do, talk to other parents that you respect. That's right. And find out what they're doing. Because you got sometimes it. we don't know what to do and especially if you're a single parent. And I was a single parent at that time. Mm-hmm. So, um, basically raising children you know, I guess even to 18 in general, uh, we should know where they are and what they're doing basically all the time. There should never be one hour on the weekend where you don't know where your kids are. Mm-hmm. And and if you don't know or if it's sketchy enough, you, there should be a way by which by phone call or by verification of an owner of a store, you say you're there, go, go put me on with the owner of the store, I know them or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you can verify it if if you get a little lying going on there. Uh, yeah, and you know the other thing is I'm so glad you brought this up. When when they call you and they do want you to, they see you want them to call you if they're in trouble, right? Right. So my rule was if you call me and ask me to pick you up, I will pick you up wherever you are, no questions asked. 
Ooh, nice. We, uh, you will, we will, you, I will pick you up. You will be safe. You will come home. And I, unless you want to talk about it, I will not ask you anything about it. So that so means, I, that means they'll, they'll call you then. They called me all the time. Yes. All the time. Even if something gets a little uncomfortable, they don't know how to deal with something, uh, you know, they have a scapegoat any time and you're not going to be d- breathing down their throats. Yep. There were no questions asked. I was so honored. That they would call me, and usually what I ended up doing, I ended up picking them and usually a friend or two of theirs up, yep. and I called that parent and I said, your daughter and your daughter is spending the night at my house. They're safe. They're going to spend the night. I'll get them up. I'll feed them breakfast, and they'll I'll, they'll get home the next day. Yeah. And that's that's how I worked it, and it worked for me and my family. You know, we develop patterns. Every family develops a pattern and a yep. way of yep. doing things. Yeah. And and that's what families. I I want them to trust that and to have the confidence that they can create these values and this sense of safety. Because the, it's such an unsafe world for yes. our children. You know, I think I heard Judge Judy one time comment that she told her kids, if, uh, <laughs> if, you, if you ever land in jail and need to get bailed out, don't call me. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, basically, you know, that's not acceptable behavior. I will not bail you out. And, right. of course, they never needed to call her. No, see, that's what we want to prevent that, don't yes, we? Yes, that's so we right. Give, so we give them some tools, some coping skills um, that they can start to develop and make their own. That's right. Right. You are listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts helping humanity wake up one show at a time, Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. Our guest today, Marianne Rosenthal. My goodness, isn't she good? She's wonderful. Uh, she's written a book, Be a Parent, Not a Pushover. And boy, if you're having any questions about how to go about being a good parent, this is a great, great resource. And stay with us. We have a little bit more. Thanks for staying with us. Our guest today, Marianne Rosenthal. Say, we're, uh, you have a website, I bet. I do. I do. It's www.drma.com. DrMADRMA.com. Wonderful. Be a parent, not a pushover. A guide to raising happy Emotionally healthy teens. Boy, that's a mouthful. So, so he, here's a uh, real challenging thing that happens usually with teenagers, and that's when they are first given the keys to a car. Oh yeah. What would you suggest? Well, I, you know, I want, and this is what a great thing to end on because I know we both, we all want to be positive. All of us want to be end on an optimistic note with with your listeners. And same thing with the car. I I tell parents, you tell your kid, you know they are going to be a good driver. Because what good does it do to set a negative tone and tell them, well, you know you're going to have fender benders and you're going to be a lousy, you know. And, and too many parents, because we're, we're worried about them, we do that. We sort of set that negative tone. But you tell them that you know they're going to be a good driver. And I love parents and teens uh, when they first start driving to have a contract, a driving contract. And you set maybe four rules that are very important. You know, the number one accident is when there's more than one 
uh, two people in a car with yep. teenagers. That's that. That is. I mean, the, the percentages go up exponentially. And, and cell so, phones jumping on that one. Exactly. So no more than one person allowed in the car yep. ever yep. when you first drive. So you, those kinds of rules, you know, time, uh, curfew rules. Obviously, I think you'd limit their their driving at night when they first begin because it's more difficult. And it's the kind of thing as as they as their skills develop, as that internal structure develops, you can release some of the external structure. But you get them to sign that contract, and they have it uh, on their uh, you know on on the refrigerator or wherever. And of course, an absolute. Uh, no tolerance is any kind of drinking or drugs or anybody with anybody in that car. Yeah. And I think you have to be a little strict with those rules in the beginning, but but the, it's a privilege. That child is getting a privilege, right? And yeah. and you know you that you are helping them and keeping them safe. And they don't keep the privilege unless you know because it's an adult thing. You can kill people with a car. You can kill yourself. So they don't get that privilege unless they keep earning it. And, you know, you say, look, my job is to keep you safe. I, I, I love you. My job is to keep you safe. And, and, some, and these rules are going to help keep you safe. And that's it. Um, yeah, yeah. Think, and most kids really go for it. You know, kids like contracts, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's good. And then it's in black and white. And it's clear for everyone. You know, that is really good because uh, teenagers, especially, they're unstable. They're, they're challenging things. And if you've got something black and white and they know you're going to stand behind it, it just makes it way more safe and clear and settled for them, and, and it actually probably helps their immune system. <laughs> they like, you're right. No, no, you're so right. I mean, it is about a healthy thing. They do, children, whether they, they won't admit it, but they crave structure. And children of blended and divorced families crave structure even more. Yes. Marianne, it is always a pleasure to play with you for an hour. I love you guys. We love you too, <laughs> love I must you say. Too. You touch our hearts. <laughs> so we will definitely uh, give you a call and have you come back and give our parents some more good advice. And uh, best of luck with everything that you're doing. You are so wonderful and, and uh, blessings to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Be a parent, not a pushover. The website is drma.com. Marianne, you have a good evening. I love you too. Thanks. Take care now. Take bye. care. Bye-bye. Wow, cool. Boy, <laughs> that's what you call on top of your game. Man, she's just a pistol, isn't she? Yeah, she's just there. You know, we really, love it. we really want to thank you all for opening your hearts and your minds and your homes to our message that you also may nudge further along on your spiritual path. It's where there's more peace and joy and happiness and fulfillment. Now, come on. You can do it. Stretch into the greatness in you. And help your kids do the same thing. By God.